Good afternoon. Well, evening now, Kenneth. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? <laughs> very good. Very good. Now, before we get going, let me let me say your name correctly. Kenneth Priesmeyer. That is correct. Yep. Good deal. Good deal. I had to practice that a little bit. <laughs> Most people get it wrong. It's kind of a, I tell people, if you've gone to church and eat a hot dog, you should be able to say my last name. <laughs> Simple, 411111, I'll have to pronounce it. Understood, understood. Yeah. So my last name, I understand it's similar, so I get it. So, um, but yeah, man, welcome to the show. It's good to see you. We've talked a lot in the season when things were actually rolling and active. I know we have some downtime now, so I appreciate you coming on and, and talking a little bit more about your time as a fan in Houston. For sure, uh, for sure. Very appreciative for you having me. Yes, sir. Yes, I see you. We're always active amongst groups, games, doing a lot of different things. So super good to have you. And I think if I'm you're my first Houston Roughneck fan to come on the show. So it's pretty cool, man. That is cool. Yep, yep. Much appreciated. Uh, there's a lot of unique individuals that have some fandom there in Houston. So you're one of the many, and it's great to have you on, dude. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Not as fancy as some of the other guys. I'll give credit to folks like the Predator Couple and Rig Rockers because those guys got their full-blown like alter ego and a brand set up. I haven't quite gotten to that level of, of fan perfection, if you will, but uh, we're getting there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get there, man. And there always needs to be real identities, so nothing wrong with that, you know. But yeah, dude, where are you coming from today? Where are you streaming from, actually? Just curious. So I am. I currently reside in a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee, Springfield. It's a small town north of Nashville by about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, my wife and I have lived here with our family since uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2021. That's when we moved here from Memphis. Uh, my wife's originally from East Tennessee. And uh, I'm obviously a Houston native and been in Tennessee since 2017. So, Gotcha, gotcha. So did you attend the University of Houston? I am an alumni, yes. I, uh, I had a weird bounce around track with my college time. I initially was going to a military school in Alabama for a semester. I was trying to go through the prep program to apply to the Naval Academy. Didn't pan out. Ended up transferring back to uh, A&M Galveston, actually. I was there for at least a year, I think before I transferred to U of H, um, had good reviews from some fellow family members who were students at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, my assimilation, it became my alma mater and I'm very proud and thankful that it did. So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you've, you've got a little bit of connections there in Houston is what I'm hearing. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I would, I mean, if anybody will tell you for the most part is Texans usually have big pride when it comes to state pride, but I would say even locally, I've, I've been, uh, Houston's been my home away from home for even the times growing up where I, I didn't live there locally. I've, I've been other places out of city, out of state, and Texas has always been home, namely Houston. So, Understood. Well, welcome, man. We appreciate you. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, I hadn't had too much time in Texas with the exception to the XFL, whether it be in 2020 or now. So, sure. I mean, this past season, I was in Texas uh, more times than I've been my whole life. And, I mean, I fell in love with it myself. Great place, whether it's Houston, San Antonio, Arlington, everything's got its 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 own little flavor and spice. So that's that's really what I liked about it. But yeah, dude, let's hear more about you. I mean, I know you told me you so say you reside in Nashville. What I mean, what what got you into being a, a roughneck super fan? So I guess it kind of originates back, obviously, to all the way to twenty twenty when uh they had tried to bring back the league with Vince McMahon and, and company. Um, 
I think I was just a lucky beneficiary of being on the right social groups and platforms to when I first heard about it. Uh, they obviously advertised a lot way back then, I think, in preface to that year the league came back. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I found that they were having one, got really excited about it. Obviously, nobody who calls themselves a true football fan would ever not want to see football any time of the year. And uh, for there to be a spring league to come back was just super exciting. Uh, at the time, I was able to jump on board full-fledged, if you will. I got season tickets for that 2020 season. Uh, my wife and I went down for a couple games. I didn't make it to every one, uh, but it was exciting, man. We had, obviously, so far, I would say, even though it wasn't a full season, the best experience then, uh, going undefeated with June Jones. I wish we could have got him back for 2023, but uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> but it was it was very fun. The atmosphere was great. Uh, I mean, obviously, it already felt like home to me because that's where I'm from, and, and being a UH alum, we played in, in our stadium in TDCU. But uh, it was exciting. Uh, the brand of football and the product I felt they put on the field was great. And I, that hasn't changed this year either in 2023. So. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Here I've got some photos rolling of you here now. So this is back in the prime time, 2020 years. Uh, you can yes. tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me go back. I'm sorry. You're getting out there. I had a, they had a station there. I think they were sharing the, the Roughnecks belt at the time with the old logo. And I had field passes from some of those other picks. So I was able to get out on the field and, I forget the gentleman's name. I think that was the uh, Roughneck specific uh, team leader, or uh, I can't remember. His General manager. Yeah, yeah, GM for the team at that point. Uh, but it was exciting. Got to see the t the players warm up for the game and stuff, uh, and was able to do that with my dad actually uh, this past spring uh, for I think it was the game we played the Battle Hawks if I remember correctly. So, uh, but it was yeah, it was it was fun then. Still is fun now. Um, I mean, honestly, I I can't speak to, to other leagues. I've, I've never been to a USFL game or even an arena football league game. Um, but, I mean, the product, in my opinion, they put on the field is great. The atmosphere in-game is great. And and personally, I think, um, you know, it's just a great family environment. Uh, you bring your kids, bring your spouse, your loved ones. Anybody that loves the sport will, I, I would guarantee, pretty much will enjoy their, their time at a game. So. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I can vouch for you on that as well. Houston's a good time. I know I went to a lot of Battlehawk games the first round, and I tell you, it was a good time there too, man. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, they can – I'll give them credit. I mean, it, you know, it it's awesome to see a city like St. Louis who you could say is scorned because they lost their, their pro team at the time. Um, but I mean, it's clear that that's a sports town, whether it's football, hockey, baseball, like they just have strong fan support for their teams, which, you know, Houston's got a lot going on. So I can, I can partially understand why sometimes depending on the sport and the, 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 the level, if you will, of the sport, whether it's college or professional, it sometimes takes a little more time, so to speak, to build up as substantial as a fan following, because you got 6,000 different things to do in, in such a huge city like Houston. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, when the going gets what's good and, and even beyond that, when tough times hit still, I think we have pretty, pretty strong fan support for the people who really call themselves fans of the Roughnecks Astros, whatever it may be. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can tell even amongst the sports media there, the guys working there, they, they love what they're doing. They're wearing their <laughs> gear, whether it be whatever or whatever, there, there's always something. I noticed too, when we were there for games, I mean, there were events all the time there was always something to do in houston always something going on so i know that was going to be tough for the xfl to compete especially coming back from the hiatus 
Yeah, I think, I mean, when you compare it, a lot of people I'd seen online and stuff make comments, and justifiably so, about, you know, it's unfortunate that some of the games had to occur in some of the peak weekends, like when we had Rodeo Houston, which, I mean, you know, brings people from all across the country yep. there. Um, and so I can understand that. At the same token, I mean, I personally, if you want to compare apples to apples with, like, the USFL, for instance, I think the timing of our league for the XFL is better uh, when you compare it with when the dates fall typically for like the NFL draft uh, and the subsequent start of like the summer training camps and such, just because, I mean, it, it flows well with the NFL schedule. And if, you know, yep. if Dane and Dwayne have any, uh, Dwayne and Danny Garcia have anything to, mm -hmm. to say about the league, obviously that's their biggest preaching point is that they want it to truly be a springboard for guys to get that second chance. And I think the way they've positioned the, the date range, if you will, of the season is, is ideal for that. So. Yeah, no doubt. And you can, see that with how many players have been picked up just by the NFL oh, yeah. so it was, far. It was amazing to see how many guys got at least a shot, if not a, a sealed contract, you know, by this bowl. But I mean, a ton of guys got picked up. It was awesome to see that for sure. So yes, sir. I think we're at 49 today is what I saw. Yeah. yeah. I ain't keeping track of the exact number, but I knew it was, it was, huge. it's, it's hard, right. man. It changes daily. So I understand. <laughs> I always look it up before a show and make sure I have it right. And just, just to verify. Sure. And then guys do get dropped still. And then, you know, we don't get, we don't hear about that. It's usually just what happened. So, but yeah, dude, I, I'm happy for him as well. And I think it is a good developmental league and people don't like that term. I, I do. I think it's okay to have that. Uh, sure. We're seeing the products that we're getting from that. <clears throat> and I mean, no matter what, I know there's going to be plenty of skill left for us next year to have some sweet teams going. Right. Uh, they have the 90 man rosters, but, as far as I know, once the active, active season hits, we're going to 50. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that get cut there. Oh, yeah. They get a, they get a drop. I think, I mean, the pool is obviously massive, whether you, you know, look independently or solely at a, at the college field versus the pros. But both, I mean, you mesh those together and just it's an abundant pool of athletic talent, you could say, that, that we have to, to pick from, and, uh, you know, that's available. So, Yes, sir. Now, uh, we're going to talk more deeply into these subjects. And like I said, we're going to talk about game marketing, ticket ticket marketing your way in Houston, as well as just getting your, your opinion on fan engagement, what you think about it as a fan. Being a hardcore fan, I feel like you have a different mindset, as well as being an original 2020 fan. You, you're right there with most of us that do shows or, or write articles. I feel like you, you understand both levels. Um, so... It's good to have you, man. Let's let's just go ahead and start. Let's talk about the ticket and game marketing in Houston. Now, you being a 2020 fan, uh, just fill me in. How did that experience go for you? I'm sure you were excited when you heard the news. I'm sure you were ready to go. What? Oh, just yeah. tell me more. How did that that happen? I I can't remember exactly how it was announced. So I followed all the way, obviously, until uh, going back to 2020. You know, COVID hit. They announced publicly that they were suspending the league, I think, at the time. And then the status changed, obviously, fully canceling the season. Um, but beyond that, uh, I had been kind of following the, the article inner workings when they first started announcing that uh, The Rock and, and company were going after uh, buying the XFL from bankruptcy from Vince McMahon. So I knew right there, like, you know, just from the brief knowledge I had from The Rock at the time with the other business ventures he did, like, there was intentionality behind that acquisition. And, you know, Initially, I think at the time we were obviously a lot of people were probably expecting or hoping they were going to start up in 2022. I don't know if the remnants of COVID or what possibly delayed that getting all the finalized 
finer details set up so that they could. Uh, but we obviously got rolling in 2023, and I was very thankful and happy for that. I think in, uh, I don't know when they first opened. I want to say I bought my season tickets for 2023, like, soon after they immediately opened. But it was way all the way back in November of last year. Yeah, so I, what I have pulled up here is is just a, a, a frequently asked questions from last year. I couldn't find anything legitimate. I'm sure there's something somewhere from the date it actually dropped. But yeah, sure. you're correct. November 17th, all the season ticket memberships went on sale, except Vegas, if I remember correctly. Now, this was just season tickets. This wasn't single game tickets. Correct, correct. Yeah, I think that was proof evident, obviously, roll, roll to – what was it, end of January or I yep. mid-January at least when they finally released the schedules. And I know a lot of people were partially frustrated by that. I understand, you know, obviously they didn't, they were still working with Vegas to try to get theirs nailed down. So it probably was not even in the realm of possibility for them to release any of them until they had the, the, the final team uh, nailed down because yep. every team, at least for one week, every team's schedule was going to be affected by that uh, and the logistics behind it. So I understand how it, how and why it happened in a sense. A lot of illumination came to the fact I wasn't aware. I'm not a local Vegas fan, obviously, by any means, but I didn't know that the Raiders had such a, uh, like a foothold, if you will, on the just sports market uh, in Vegas uh, and the fact that they were, I guess, kind of had such a proprietary pinch on things. And I think that's what made such a uh, – a headache for probably the upper management of the XFL to get something nailed down for, for that team, for the Vipers. So I'm glad they did though. Um, and I would say, you know, I mean, for me looking forward, like that's probably one of my biggest things that I hope uh, can be improved to some degree for this next year, just because uh, someone for myself, obviously coming all the way from Tennessee, like I want to try to make it to every game I can and having the schedule a month out from the start game mm-hmm. of game the season was a little hard to like, guarantee i could make it to everyone but uh beyond that i mean uh we made it work and it definitely still had a memorable season so i was excited about that and glad it was able to happen so same here same here yeah so we got some comments i'm going to get to in just a second just a few that i'll hit but before we move on so what i have here is just uh the posting from twitter so this dropped january 12th and this was when i believe single game tickets went on sale so you can see the kickoff was February 18th. <laughs> yeah, it was It was honestly, I think, one of the shortest rollout, shortest span between rollout of schedule and start date of the season that I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I, I even myself, I mean, you know, uh, I, like I said, I, looking back, I can more empathize, I think, with the struggles of upper management. But Oh, no doubt. At the time, I was, like everybody else, blasting them on the, on the group page and the main Facebook page, like, where the heck is the schedule, man? It's yep. taking forever. So, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was right there with you. This was before I pursued the media stuff officially. So, you know, I was attempting to watch Houston. They're close to me. I'm in South Mississippi. So it's still, you know, it's 400 miles or so. Right. Uh, But like, I was in the same boat as you. But I wasn't, after what happened with the other seasons in AAF, I was not buying season tickets personally. I bought them after we got started. But right. start, I, I was not doing it myself. I, I personally think you can see that in the numbers. Uh, if you look on anywhere from Wikipedia to other sites that yeah. probably track it, there was a slight dip. And th- gr- gr- I guess, thankfully, I would say it wasn't by a huge amount. Uh, but there was a slight dip when you compare the metrics from Houston's season in 2020 to what it is this year. And that may be a myriad of factors, not just the uh, lack of detail on the schedule coming out late, but I think personally the fact that, and from a business side, I see the 
the wisdom behind it. The, I think Danny and Dwayne and the other upper heads chose to maybe partially to some extent ride the coattails of the fandom that was in place from 2020. And I think you saw a majority of those people, you know, return. Um, I can say that's very evident from my experience with the, uh, the Roughneckers tailgate that used to formerly be known as the Katie Roughneckers there locally in Houston. They had a really strong, I think, following the first uh, season in 2020. And I didn't honestly have any knowledge of their existence until this year when I, when I had bought my tickets and I think in January or so I had seen stuff come up on the fan group pages about them. And so I started attending some of the tailgates and we had a great, great experience. But uh, yeah, I mean, all things considered, I think, they, they announced it, I want to say, back in, in June, maybe, or May. I can't remember. Uh, but they had released kind of the metrics on the some of the general financial numbers uh, from the league this year. And I remember when Vince McMahon and them, I think, had canceled uh, the season in 2020. I want to say he had reported like a multi-hundred million dollar loss, if I remember correctly, like 400 or something. Something nuts. I can't remember what it was. Um, but uh, they had only, you know, Obviously, never, loss is never good, but in your first year of any business, I think it's understandable if that becomes yep. the reality. And the fact that they lost such a more less, much less higher number uh, this season, I think, was a, a, a red, a, not a red flag, but a positive to take away from the season. So, agreed, agreed. And and as we're talking about marketing, I mean, are you aware? <clears throat> now, reports said that they only spent you know around one hundred twenty thousand dollars on actual uh, advertising and marketing. I 100% believe it because, I mean, that was a lot of questions that were coming up on the boards in the fan groups I was a part of at the beginning of the year. Uh, I didn't see an, any form of an advertisement uh, until, actually, I think the weekend I was flying down. I was in Nashville Airport uh, getting a drink at one of the bars in the terminal, and I'd seen on ESPN or somewhere, I think, uh, they finally had blasted an ad for the XFL, and it was the first time I had seen anything. And I, I'm a pretty avid youtube guy so i'm on there fairly often and i had never seen a single ad on there um when i had driven through town that first weekend at the game i didn't recall seeing any billboards which are i think two things at least they did to some degree uh in 2020 but i mean there's obviously it's it's a whole you know double-edged sword and pros and cons of you know you got to spend money to get the word out but how much you know where do you put your cap there in order to be effective but not lose your tail and lose your pants so to speak so yep Yep, you're you are correct in that it's a tough spot to be in starting any business. And when you're starting a football league that costs hundreds of millions, I mean, we we as people, normal people, we don't really fathom I mean, what's what's behind there. I mean, we do because we have some research. We're, we're we're educated a little bit, but I mean, most people they're they don't realize how much it costs to do this, and that's why leagues like the AAF and and you know, the first XFL or the second XFL fell apart. They just didn't have the yeah. money. I'm going to pop yeah. up some comments while you talk, but go ahead. It's rig rockers was on here. They said, what's up, Ken? <laughs> what's up, guys? Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think one of the other things that might in a sense bode well for long longevity with the league, this go around. And this is just going from a hunch and being a person that values integrity and accountability, whether it be business or otherwise, I think, um, you, you see, you saw this in the AAF with uh, what's his face, uh, kind of blasting this false idea that they had tons of money that wasn't actually locked down, wasn't secured to fund the league. And then similarly, I don't think this came out until after the fact and never was formally announced, but I think most fans and people with half a brain could connect the dots. Vince McMahon had said he had like 
I don't know if it was four or five hundred million dollars to fund the league in 2020, but I think it was very clear that a lot of that was revenue hitched on WWE performance yep. indirectly through however you, however that whole corporation and umbrella group is funded and managed. Um, and it was clear, obviously, that that wasn't like a 500 pool of money in, a, in an account over here sitting ready to go. It was like, okay, we're hedging our bets on this other business entity doing well so that we can take a little off the fat of the profits and, you know, put it over here, which I understand, but it's, it was frustrating because it's like that obviously is, is a risky business move in any scenario, not to say that people don't do it and are successful, but it, it, there's more exposure to losing your, your, your full wallet there, I guess, than if you have just the funds you need holistically to, to fund the league that first year or multiple years. Yeah. In. And when you mentioned the pandemic, COVID really killed it. It killed everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. there was nothing going to survive that with, things shutting down for months at a time That's even right. in a place like texas it, it's still i mean the reach was there as well i don't really sit on any fence when i when i discuss this stuff on air but you, you saw what happened with everything yourself for sure for sure i think um certain industries i think obviously do much better than others football is obviously a very more recreational tertiary business so it's not it's not core to any functionality of society if you want to get down to the root of it and I mean, that one thing I always brag to my friends about is a construction professional working in Houston back when we had like the recession in 2008. And even when I was coming out of college as an intern and, and early employee, like everybody was saying how we were dealing with an economic struggle nationwide. And I was like, I don't see any of that here. I don't know what you're talking about. But that's a whole different industry, obviously. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No matter how down in the depths businesses are, large corporations still got to build stuff. So I, I get that part. Yes, sir. And people at home as well. They got bored. They were at Lowe's all the time doing things. <laughs> uh, sure. But yeah, man, uh, I agree with what you're saying. It's evident that the money has to be there to have these leagues be successful. For sure, and for sure. Everything else can come, but if you don't have the money to start. Yeah. Mm, to double back on my point, I guess what excites me about it is the fact that I think one of the uh, reporters when forget which if it was at the one of the first games or one of the the um i forgot the term they used if the, the field days they did for kind of the xfl tryouts preseason but one of the reporters had asked danny about um you know that whole component of like where's the longevity coming from what type of guarantees do you have from redbird capital who's one of the biggest i think financing partners in the whole conglomeration of investors and i think she i want to say she said they had committed committal from them for like a three to five year span, which is, is very encouraging. It definitely makes you feel like as a fan, at least that the financial vested interest and commitment is there. I'm sure from a business standpoint, they probably have specific metrics they have to hit every season. And I think you even saw that as soon as the season ended, they had, they dropped like, I don't know how many staff people from their over, you know, their overhead payroll, if you will. And I'm sure that had something to do with either they did or didn't check a box. And that was a corresponding action that had to be taken to, to stay in compliance with, the conditional agreement that Redbird has with the business. But I mean, even still, it's exciting that the fact that if what she says is true, they have something that even the Vince McMahon version in 2020 didn't have. And that the AAF, for instance, didn't have, which is truly an entity that has funds committed to help support the league and push it through. So. Understood. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm throwing up some comments that we got here. <laughs> the mad chatter. He's on it. It was, it was, it was tough, man. I agree. I, I think, like I said, I think they, they followed uh, the fan fandom from 2020 and it, it yep. worked out for them for the most part. So that was helpful. I would, I would logically expect them to up the ante a little bit 
leading up to this coming season. If we don't see that, then yeah, I can see you definitely have a, a valid critique for sure. Cause they, as you grow, you've got to continue to get the, the word out and the name out. And it was, it was crazy how many people, even on Facebook, when I would make a comment or a post and, you know, I'm sure my other friends encountered it too with their coworkers or, you know, friends in the city, like what the XFL's back. Like there were so many people that were still ignorant of it, even yep. returning. And it just isn't mind boggling to me. And now in today's day and age, it's like, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, or other major platforms, like just news gets around so fast. It's, it's surprising unless you're just one of those mountain men and, you know, the middle of nowhere, who's just unplugged from everything that you wouldn't <laughs> hear about something eventually, I guess is what I mean to say. But With, with sports fans, no doubt. That's yeah. It's, it's we're all it's plugged in to a degree. If not, we're listening to something, we're reading something, we're looking up something. Right. Do you, as a fan, I mean, like you said previous, you feel like a lot of these, the the consumers of the product for XFL this past 2023 was just old fans coming back and rejoining the folds, correct? For sure. For sure. I mean, there's regardless, I know you're always going to have some small percentage of of new people and you want that. Obviously, that's the only way you you see growth in a league. Um, But yeah, I would say a large, I mean, Almost everybody I talked to in the in the tailgate group that I had attended and participated with, most if not all those people were uh, previous game attenders from the season prior, and a lot of them were season ticket holders from the season prior. So you had that like committal, hey, I'm going to be here, you know, rain or shine, because I love football and I love this city and this team, uh, which you know makes it awesome to have that. But you obviously got to see the growth, and I think we we saw at least new fans come in. Obviously, as I said, we didn't really eclipse our numbers from 2020 but i don't think you can expect that when you have any type of gap in, in yep. years apart with seasons so yep yep i mean you yep. you could see from the attendance numbers the difference and in, in just sure. from 2020 and need be i mean we did lose some games in houston but uh, the fans in houston still are going to support their team and that that's yep. my opinion i think you had the you know the initial fall off from like week one week two on but then we kind of like plateaued at a number, which I think that's the metric you really got to look at to say, okay, yep. here's where we have at least a, a dependable level following from here up is where we want to try to build from. And, you know, I think that will be one of the biggest barometers that the upper management and just fans in general can look at this season when we trickle into 2024 and say, okay, how are we doing week to week this season? How does it look with the terms of attendance? And that can be at least a one indicator on, on, you know, hopefully there being able to be tangible scene improvement in, in the league, gaining growth and fandom. So, Yes, sir. Agreed on that. In terms of improvements, what do you feel like as a fan, just some, some real world examples of improvements that maybe you would hope to see for next year being a ticket holder, season ticket holder? Uh, I would say, honestly, I guess, you know, I already stated kind of the schedule release being much sooner. Uh, I think that goes without saying, but that would be one of the biggest ones, I think, that would not, you know, a lot of people, to your point, there may be people out there that are interested in buying season tickets, but then they choose to forgo that entirely because they don't have the schedule. And I guarantee that's the reason some people probably mm-hmm. didn't do it to whatever number that was this this last year. So um, I would hope that would be a big one that they focus on. Um, I know they're working on some logistics things both with with our team and and maybe others uh for for confirming that the venues will be the same for next season um beyond that though i guess it's probably more when i'm my nick picky self comes out there's a i know a lot of people were disappointed with the uh the release of some of the merch in the in the shop being like so late in the seasons mainly the jerseys yeah glad they got them out though i'm glad we have them um 
you know, I'd be curious to know why they're as high as they are, but I'll definitely probably buy, still buy one at some point myself because you just got to have some of those collector items. So, but uh, I, <laughs> no I, doubt. I, for me, the one thing I've seen that they don't have to be real like specific is I haven't seen a single polo posted on the shop online. And I expected when I started seeing the coaches and the players wearing them, I was like, oh, surely that's going to be up in the next week or two. And I never saw anything. So I'm hoping that would be my number one thing. Like we need to add that to the shop pronto. But I know at least me and other business professionals who like to rep their teams, you can look in my closet and you'll yep. see a stars and Astros, a UH. I got a polo for every freaking team and it would be no different for the Roughnecks if I could do it. So, which <laughs> I technically made one myself, but that was cause I got impatient. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I got to rock one. That was probably what I was wearing. So, in 2020, I remember they didn't have polos going either. Yeah. I didn't look this year just because I was dressed up at each game anyway. And you can't, as a media person, you don't really want to favor a side. You kind of right. just want to, you know, dress cordially and in, in business attire. Uh, sure. But yeah, I remember in St. Louis, I had to get a couple made myself because they were nowhere to be found even then. <laughs> so, I, had no, some com- I had some comments I'm going to hit real quick if it's cool. So the Mad Chatter, he talked about talent pools. Mad Chatter, I don't think we're going to discuss talent pools too much today. <laughs> We'll definitely be on the subject in the future, but today I'm just talking to him about fan engagement and, and marketing and stuff from his perspective in terms of, of being a Houston super fan. So I'll, but, say, yeah. I'll say one thing on that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think my biggest prediction, and it, it, as far as I know, he hasn't been picked up. He could still get picked up due to an NFL injury. I'm not directly necessarily a fan of the guy, but if you're talking NFL talent potentially falling down to the XFL level, Carson Wentz is like my number one guy that I think is going to get put on. If he's willing to take the, the salary cut, you know, these guys need to make millions, but some dudes who love the sport enough and want that second chance of redemption, you're going to get it in actual play time, not in, you know, these periodic drilled open practice options you get from teams. You don't get as much from that. So I would think he'd be a good one to get snagged up if they can convince him to come, but there's no guarantees. there. So. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about that. <laughs> I'm just glad as a Saints fan that we did not pick him up. I will take yeah. Derek Carr any day of the week. <laughs> I think he's he's got plenty of room to improve. We'll leave it at that. And it's frustrating because you got guys out here that arguably still have some talent, like Cam Newton, but they think they're worth, you know, the Chip biggest Scott. signing salary in the league. And it's just like, dude, you're never going to come to the XFL, and we wouldn't want you even if you did because your head's too far in the clouds. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, the Mad Chatter says they should invest in a star QB or three. I agree with that, man, 100%. That's what a lot of these IFL QBs, there's only a few, but every one that was at that combine was a stud, straight stud. So check them out if you haven't. TJ Edwards and um, EJ Hilliard, both studs, and I haven't heard anything on them yet. Hoping to speak with them at some point. I definitely think uh, intentionally or not, them having AJ was a huge boost to the league. And I know it was kind of cliche because he was on the St. Louis squad, which was the same city that had the biggest fan support. But I mean, the fact that you can see a guy who tangibly said, you know what, I don't want to spend every day of my career on a practice squad. And I personally identify with that. If I was living vicariously through any QB, it'd kill me to be a guy. I love him to death, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't live like Case Keenan. Like it would be such a shot to my pride to have to be that journeyman backup my entire career and maybe see one game a year that I get to play. Like I get it. You play in practice, but I mean, it's not the same as being under the lights and, you know, feeling the adrenaline rush from being throwing a touchdown pass when the clock's, you know, striking down or whatever it may be. So I think 
he was an awesome like spokesperson for the league in a sense all because he's a family guy but he also he he willingly took that because he wanted his boys to see him play and he loves truly loves the sport which i i just i was thought was super commendable so it'd be cool if we could get some more guys that would rep it hard like like he does because i think like, i agree with the fans that that would be beneficial to the league as a whole yeah 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 i'm right there with you guys on all that <laughs> it would be cool if we had some kind of bonus system for you know superstar athletes but then again i feel like that would put some people ahead of others and and we'd be sitting in a weird place in the developmental league of, of who's a star and who's not a star who's going who's staying right uh but yeah so Michael, so Michael Lathrop's on here and he actually commented as well. So we'll go ahead and jump into this subject with Michael. With Houston Stadium situation, the schedule is likely going to be delayed a bit. Now, I, I have some opinions, but I try not to speak on them without any official stuff, information. Yeah. So I foresee this, their schedule being pushed out and along with Vegas still, because like I said, when you went, the season tickets opened up a couple weeks back. <clears throat> you could not pick your tickets for Vegas or Houston. You have to yeah. wait for that still. Everywhere else, you could pick a seat. You could go ahead and set it up, pay it, those two spots. I mean, that to me is foreseeable. Uh, but what do you think, man, as a fan? How, how do you, and especially being a Houston guy, you, you yeah. know your way I've, around there pretty at good. At least up to the up to date on the inner workings of, of what's going down reflective to our football squad and how that affects obviously other teams using the venue like the Roughnecks were. Um, I can't speak for Vegas. I don't know what's going on there. But um, for Houston, uh, I actually was on the call, I think July 1st, uh, the university did like a midnight toasting with uh, Pesman and a couple other folks, including uh, Dana Holgerson, our head coach, uh, to kind of just commemorate the, you know, official start in the Big 12. And part of that uh, announcement they had is when they first kind of publicly shared uh, some residual photos of the new development that they're going to be doing on the north end of the end of the end zone and the stadium with the attached athletic facility for the football operations. Um, so my opinion on that, and I'm, I can only speak as a construction professional, if we say in a perfect world, they get everything locked down from a design standpoint and have that all, all their ducks in a row come the end of the season, which will probably be, you know, November sometime, even with all that being perfected and ready to go from my general knowledge of construction, I just don't see them being able to even do enough. I, I've never seen a stadium. I'll say this like Kyle field, for instance, when they do the renovations of the stands and it's only partial, any stadium you look at, I've never seen a football season, college, pro, whatever, however, uh, take place in a stadium that has in in progress construction work, renovation work being done. Not to say that you couldn't do it, but I'm sure logistically and safety wise, it's like a nightmare. Yep. So, you know, it is no, no organizational or owner person would probably ever want to do that. And I completely understand why. All that to be said, I don't think when you look at it, if you just match when our season fell this year from November to arguably, what is it? February, second week, third week after the Super Bowl, yep, yep. Um, is the time frame window you, you would theoretically have to get all those stadium, uh, all the seating changed out, which includes a lot of concrete work. They're planning to put in a brand new, like giant freaking screen scoreboard on that end zone. That's the predominant ones that's utilized by who's ever in the venue and we've got, I think, a secondary one there that's like in between the stadiums on the southwest side, I think it is. 
but that's not going to hold everything they want. And just functionally, it wouldn't work if you didn't have all that in place. So like, in my opinion, I just don't see it feasible that they lock down TVCU. And I think that to your point, that's probably why they haven't allowed ticket selection because they know more than likely that's not going to be the venue they're going to be able to utilize. I don't know when they will make the, the committal jump, so to speak, to, to lock down another venue. Most Houston folks know the lay of the land there when it comes to, excuse me, uh, venues that would be able to like properly house the team, the football games, and, you know, the operations of, of, of fans who are in attendance. Personally, for me, the only two venues I can think of, which one of bit has been talked about in some of the fan groups is Rice's Stadium, closer to the medical district. And then the only other one, which I want to say, I don't remember if we at UH ever played there. I want to say we did, but I'm not sure, is uh, the Dynamo Soccer Stadium. Both are fairly similar in terms of seating capacity. Rice actually, I think, has more. Um, but, I mean, you can imagine the cost of, of renting and utilizing like NRG or Reliance Stadium is going to be astronomical and not probably a fee that Dana and Danny are going to be willing to pay for one team. Because, uh, I mean, the only other – I don't think there's any other teams that play in pro stadiums as far as I can recall. I guess – I got a comment here. I don't know if it applies. Yeah. Predators are here. Is that (laughs) – I had to. They're they're the real MVP roughneck fan supporters, I would say. They got tons of airtime during the games. They're the ones that helped facilitate the entire roughneckers tailgate. So if you all get a chance this next season and you come out to a game, I highly encourage you to meet those folks. The the Predator couple is their official The Predator couple, yes. They are the most down-to-earth, awesome people. And, uh, yeah, they just – they make the community – for Roughnecks fans, like, super hospitable. Yeah, no doubt. I've met them a couple times at games as well. Great people. For sure, for sure. But, yeah, man, I didn't inter- interrupt you. I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, I'll bow down to the to the greater fans. I, I, <laughs> I, in a sense, I feel not worthy to be on a podcast, but it's exciting. Oh, no, man. You're doing great. Yeah, you, you can put <laughs> your thoughts together well. You're not mumbling. Uh, I think you did a good I, I job. Will, I will acknowledge, I not to toot my own horn, but I, I was a kid that grew up in high school to like who loved public speaking and got a more of an adrenaline rush than like the you know bone quenching freezing fear of it like most people do. So <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, no, I think I, yeah, I would personally, I don't know. It's hard to 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 think through the inner workings of it. Like either stadium, I could see working out for us. I would hate to your point. I would hate for the season to get pushed back just because of one or two teams, you know, it's like, it's one of those things for me. And I look back on the whole delay this last season, like I get, they were, there was probably legal stuff that is way beyond you or I's, you know, pay grade to even begin to comprehend and understand. But at the same token, like if, if it's all you've got and you're trying to, you know, play the waiting game for something else to open up or whatever, at a certain point, you gotta, you know, crap or get off the pot to put your losses. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would hope that they don't allow like their indecisiveness or for this condition with the roughnecks, their tentative waiting to go, oh, is the construction going to get done in time for the portion we need to say? It's like, no, that makes no sense. You're going you're gonna to screw all your fans. You're going to screw the teams. Like it's just, it's a complete disservice to everybody who wants your league to succeed. And it just doesn't make logical sense. I mean, it's better to just say, we're going to have to call a Omaha for this one season, you know, hopefully play in a different venue and then potentially come back to TDCU when things are, you know, done and, and fixed there. So we'll see. Yeah. Any kind of forward action would be awesome. Even if it's an acknowledgement of, Hey, it's probably not going to happen. Right. That's cool. Also as a fan, you can deal with that. 
Yeah. But I know if they point, tell people like what other venues are on the table, even if you can't say definitively, exactly. okay, we know That's which one we're going with. Say. We're working. And I, I would, I don't know how like closed door or, or NDA, these type of work, inner workings are, but like, I would think that neither entity would be mad for those two to give an example. If you said like, Hey, rice and BBVA compass is on the state is on the, I don't know their current sponsor, but the soccer stadium are on the table. We don't know which one yet, but it'll likely be one of these two because we don't foresee construction work that UH is doing getting done in time for the start of our season. And just leave it at that. So then people know, okay, at least I know what venue I'm getting myself into if I do commit to buy season tickets. And I guarantee you'll have at least a few folks that at least are willing to make that blind commitment than folks with no information. People are just not going to act like you said. I mean, they're not going to buy season tickets when you don't know when you're playing, where you're playing. And you know, it's just too many unknowns for a fan. No doubt. Yes, sir. And I got Michael. Uh, Mike, I'm going to get your comment after Michael just because it applies to the conversation. So Michael said, I doubt the season will be pushed back. If anything, Houston would start on the road for two to three weeks like the Battlehawks did in 2023. And that's the same thing Mike's saying as well. Mike's saying, worst case scenario, they play at Choctaw or Alamo Dome. Yeah, I could see that being a probability. That would be a, that would be a really good solution just to be able to maintain TDCU because I personally think it's the very – it's the best option locally in our city for them to play personally that I know I'm biased saying that, but <laughs> rice is rice is so large. I mean, that's, that thing was built originally for, you know, NFL size attendance. So we're not near there. And we haven't even gotten to the point where we're, you know, selling out TDCU yet. And it's not like yep. you can find more venue than that. You know, I, I commend, Obviously, St. Louis has a, a freakishly large fan following, so there's a reason they're able to, you know, fill out the Maribank or whatever it is arena there, but the stadium. But uh, DC has got like the perfect setup, in my opinion. These smaller soccer fields that fit between twenty to forty thousand people, yep. like, are the ideal venue for a startup league like ours that is, you know, got their amount of fans, but not capping it as super high volume quite yet. Yeah, and the energy's there, man. That's, oh, that's yeah. a whole, I've heard, I haven't been, but I've heard it's intense being on the field there. No matter where you're at, I mean, any place you can maximize the populace of the seating capacity, it's going to make the venue be louder, more intense, more of an engaging fan fan base for the game. And yeah, it makes it, I mean, if you want to take any, you know, pride or bragging rights and being a hard place to come play, you've got to have the yep. full thing, caboodle of people in the stands, so. Yeah, those soccer stadiums are intense. They're kind of just stacked onto that field, man. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah, so Mike said Shell, and I think that's Shell Energy Stadium he's talking about. That's a soccer stadium as well. You being in Houston, do you know where that's at, in, like, specifically? I've said that term, and I've used it, but I don't know I don't where know it is. I don't know if that's the re-sponsor for the Dynamo or a different one that I'm not aware of. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Gotcha. I, I haven't been to a Dynamo game since – I don't know how many years back. So it's been a hot minute for me and I haven't been on much, much of the side of town I eat very often. So. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the schedule would be pushed back in terms of the season, yeah. but the release of the schedule, I feel like that would be pushed back. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the actual You're season, right. I, I don't see that being pushed back, but we're just hoping we get that info at least a month prior. <laughs> I would, I would, I would hope that, Dana and and Dwayne Johnson are going like, all right, guys, I don't care what happens. Our commitment this year is we're going to get this schedule out by December 31st and no later. And if we can't do that, we got bigger problems. So, like, I don't know. We'll see. That would be my my fingers crossed prayer that we can have. Uh, you think about it. I, I shared that with people, uh, some of which I talked with, you know, beginning of this year. And I was like, 
I'm the guy, and I'm not. I'm sure this isn't true for most people because most people are local to their team. But I mean, we had uh, Enoch, uh, the guy from St. Louis, came who came down for the Battlehawks game. You got guys, folks who are driving, traveling for away games, let alone folks like myself who they're supporting a team that's not even in their local city. And I've got to fly there. You know, yep. your ideal window usually to buy a flight's like two months out. If I got to know, if I don't know the schedule till less time than then, I'm paying more to travel down just to go to the game. So it's just, yes. yeah, and just finding a nice place to stay. It sounds like it's ideal, but you wait till two nights beforehand and it's difficult right. that way. Especially in a place like Houston, you're right. Yep. It's going to be, there's always something going on. There's always going to be demand for all the abundance of hotels we have there as much as there is. I'm lucky that I have family that still lives there. So I'm able to, whether it be couch surf with my brother or stay with other family, I've got resources, but not everybody does. So. Yeah. I, I stayed at a bad hotel one time and <laughs> <laughs> never again. <laughs> got to do your research on those. That's for sure. There's a lot of those uh, roach motels. <laughs> Bed bug motel, bro. <laughs> a little worse. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. I also wanted to bring up that topic. You being a fan, I know you care about it and, and have some good input. Yeah, I, I tried to make an effort leading up to the podcast. Uh, you give me a heads up about it, and I was excited to, to be on. And I I do keep in touch with uh, several alma mater friends of mine. I, I went through the construction management program in Houston. So coincidentally, a lot of the fellow students of mine or fellow graduates either work for completely different contractors that are all around the country. But I got a lot of folks that still live there locally and work for local GCs. And being in that kind of like community professionally, you still get a good wavelength. I know who the, I mean, I could name on off the top of my hand, like the top three, four contractors who do work on our campus, just because I know those companies, I know who they are, one of which I used to work for. Um, and so, you know, and those type of things gives you a better hindsight to at least know possibly how the construction project's going to materialize for the stadium. But, you know, I unfortunately wasn't able to get in touch with anybody that I know. And I wasn't able to confirm who actually is doing the job. It could be, Turner's like a big contractor that does a lot of sports work, but there's a couple others I know that always probably compete on bids for athletic projects that the university is doing. So. Understood. Appreciate that insight. Yeah. yeah. Mike, Michael said pushing back schedule release would delay single game ticket sales. I agree with that. 100%, yeah. It's, it's a domino effect. It would, that's why I said, I mean, like we said, neither of us are, are business experts for a league startup, but at the same token, the more you push that back, the more it's negatively going to, probably hit your bottom line for at least the first week if not further weeks into the season so yes sir yeah like i said it just kind of rubbed me wrong that season tickets were available last year in the same kind of fashion that they are this year i would really like to be able to purchase single game tickets now it's a little different being a media but like you said being a fan that's a that's a trip that's a that's you're spending money to get there the tickets are usually the cheapest part to be honest yeah, that's they, 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 very true. Very true. I think my, just off the cuff, I'm going to say one of my flights was probably between three and $600. And I mean, you get a rental car in there for several days. It, it adds up pretty fast. So, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. Yeah, I was just going to try to gather content myself then. And you know, it comes out of my pocket. I didn't have nobody paying for it. I, so I get it. So, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to bring that up and hear your opinion on it let's let's roll into just a fan engagement in general so you know we getting the rah-rah during going going during games um, um having events amongst the city doing sponsored things for the community 
things such as that nature uh, from the XFL in general. I mean, how do you feel that went in 2023? I I don't know what was done league-wide per se. I know the, many of the functions that were put on by the Roughnecks or subsequently the XFL, I'm sure, on their part. Um, but what they did in locally in Houston, uh, there was a lot done. They had, I want to say, at least one or two preseason like public meetings that were done with Coach Wade Phillips uh, another staff. Um, they had the big um, kind of commencement, I guess you want to call it, or whatever, at, a, at City Hall in downtown Houston. I didn't get to attend that, unfortunately, but I know it, it, it garnered a pretty good crowd. And they had uh, several of the team, the actual players that came and attended that as well. Uh, and then they had also one thing I was able to catch uh, one of the weekends I was down. They did a um, little like social function at the Dave and Buster's there off of I-10 on the, uh, the west side of downtown uh, where some of the, I think, sales marketing folks came out. Several of the players, too. Um, Alan, the OC, and um, I don't know. I forget what players actually were there. Uh, but they did basically some bowling with the fans. So, like, you can't get more direct grassroots engagement with your fan following than that. And I think that was really awesome. Something I don't recall them doing in 2020 uh, to compare it just side by side. Um, I, I love the um, – I forget her name. I know she's an Aggie grad. I always remember when my when folks are my technical collegiate enemies. But uh, the, the one spokesperson gal that we've had at every game, she was awesome. Definitely helped the fan atmosphere as long with the other guy. I think they had two folks, the other uh, Middle yeah. Eastern guy. I'll pull her up. Go ahead. I got you. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> they, they, they both did a great job of ex- make, bolstering the excitement in-game during the game days, getting a lot of fan engagement, and I think that was good. Uh, really have no critiques with, with what they did and their use inside the team functionality. Yeah. Um, so I think that was that was very good. Um Beyond that, I don't. It's hard for me to like try to throw out ideas for what further they could do. I would say just, I mean, maintain that stuff, continue it, find other opportunities to do it around the city, um, the local city, theoretically for each team, really. And um, yeah, I mean, I know not all of us can make it to to the hub in, in the Dallas Fort Worth Arlington area. I would say if there's a way they're able to do like something even theoretically where you know. Uh, Dwayne and Danny could even come to like each city preseason and do like a, just a, I don't know, social round table or something. That would be really cool too, to just get bolster fan engagement. Um, you know, but just stuff like that makes, makes the fans feel more cohesively a part of what's actually occurring. And they're not just a, a cog in the wheel, if you will, like they actually care about, you know, the folks that are paying money to come see the games and that type of thing. So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that was Kennedy Smith you were talking about. Yes. <clears throat> now, in terms, I know you had some like extra benefits being a season ticket holder, and that was like on-field access and such. Uh, did, what What can you tell me about that that you remember? <clears throat> I know, I know you had an on-field. I even seen you at one of the so, on-field. Yeah. So, to my yeah. knowledge, uh, the photo I think you shared with me and my dad uh, was the on-field access I had this season for the BattleHawks game. Um, I, I do, as a critique, I would say, I think their, their rollout in pregame each week communication for that was a little subpar. Um, they did give like the email heads up at the beginning of the season, letting people know the four or five weeks, I forget how many home games it was, that they were going to allow people to pick from in terms of setting their priority. I think you had to send back a response email 
providing your priority on like your top three choices basically and uh, I knew I was pretty well locked to get mine solely because I wasn't going I wasn't able to attend the Brahmas game uh, and then um, what was the other one I had put down as like my second choice but the first was a Battle Hawks and I ended up getting that one because it was so late in the season uh, but it was just short notice when they did it to confirm, like send out the confirming email. I didn't know until like, I think a day or two prior for sure that I was going to have any form of on-field access and they didn't do it. I, as I, yeah, I'm speaking totally from vague memory here. I don't think they did it much sooner in 2020, but they did give more of a heads up. I think the week of the game, at least uh, to confirm that you had, you know, your priority selection or whatever for on-field access. Um, as far as season ticket holder perks, I want to say Tansworth, the only other one I can recall was um, like having 10% off in the shop online. Um, I don't know. There may have been others that since I wasn't obviously living there and, and there every single week that some fans experienced that I might be just ignorant to. Uh, but those were the main two ones that I think I can recall as a season ticket holder. So. Understood. Just wanted to gauge that. I know that if there was anything special, you you would have remembered it. Sure, <laughs> so sure. that's what I want to ask. They probably they probably had one of these functions. I'm sure socially that were done locally in town. They might have had one or two that were specifically only for you know season ticket holders versus just your general fan attendance. Gotcha. So that that could be arguably be one of the perks as well. But like I said, I wasn't obviously there every week and definitely wasn't there preseason. So if they had them, I wasn't able to even attend. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from my view as media coming in, I mean, I would plan my trips a week before if possible. And much like you would say, I would get these the notices a day two prior. So a lot of those events I couldn't attend either, such as like, right. you know, they met at like Turkey Leg Hut and, and some other places like that. So and I know they did do stuff, but I just wanted to see in terms of what you thought, how it went. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I, I, most of what I experienced or indirectly experienced, I was all good. I, I honestly, the uh, the Dave and Buster's thing I attended, I did actually was able to make it, but I actually showed up late because I didn't find out about it until uh, Sean Yarborough, one of the other fans, uh, I think he goes by Big Sexy most of the time, uh, <laughs> fan populace, but uh, he had, uh, I think, messaged or shared something on Facebook about it, and I just happened to be scrolling on my phone at the time. And was actually, I think, had just grabbed lunch or something near my brother's place out in Katy. So the minute I saw it, I was like, bro, I'm coming. Just, I don't know if I'll bank it in time, but I'm going to try. And so I was just <laughs> flying out I-10 trying to make it. And I was able to catch the end of it. So, uh, but yeah, that was I did, maybe, you know, some degree of improvement on the communication or distribution of the communication. But that comes with the marketing side, too. So it's obviously, I'm sure, restricted on a, on a financial component. Yes, sir. In terms of, of you as a fan and fan engagement how, how do you feel the best way to engage with fans of any sports i'm not talking about the xfl but who's your pro team i'm guessing the texans is that correct for football yeah yeah okay so so i mean in terms of the texans do you feel like what are they doing that the xfl's not that's a good question i mean one most most notably which I, there may be a component of this that the xfl already does but i still once again i feel like it's limited to maybe the hub is the Texans have their uh, the training camp? I want to say open fan practices where you get like tons of folks showing up. I mean that that's a turnout every time, every year. Uh, some of our very own Roughnecks fans, I think uh, some folks attended that. That I know that I'm friends with on Facebook. Um, so I think that's one good way to definitely get engagement because you're right there on the field with the players as they're going through their regular rig and roll. You see kind of the at least to some degree the inner workings of the team operations. 
as a, as a club, as a football club, um, and not just, you know, gladiators on the field performing for you, so to speak. So I think that's pretty cool and definitely makes you feel more in the thick of it and at the grassroots level. Um, beyond that, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe three years or four years down the line when we're in the pro in the green and they're making good money, maybe, you know, Dana and, and, and Dwayne can throw us some mascots for all the teams. So you can get a, a big guy with a three times size head oil decker hat walking around on the field for roughnecks games. I don't know. The kids love mascots. So I went to a, a sounds game recently with my wife and my son and we ended up, we didn't stay the whole time. Uh, but majority of the time we were there, my son was doing nothing nonstop and chasing the sounds like rooster around the stadium going chicken, chicken. Like, so, I mean, the kids love it at least. And that makes it obviously a better family atmosphere, but I know that that costs more money. So you gotta, you gotta find somebody willing to sit in a hot cotton suit for a couple hours and maybe, or maybe not get paid. I don't know. Hey, they're there. You just gotta yeah. ask them. I'm sure they do it. You give them a suit, they're rolling. I, I know right. a few guys right now that Probably they would be up for that. Send an email to management, be like, "Bro, I volunteer. Just, just tell me where I sign up. I'll buy the suit." <laughs> yeah. So Mike said that fans should organize watch parties, talk to bars, restaurants, and have games. You know, at the bar, have watch parties, have events. And from what I understand, a lot of fan groups do do this. So all the podcasts uh, facilitate these activities but they're not official XFL activities. Right, right, yeah. I agree with you. I've, I've seen <clears throat> different ones indirectly. I know St. Louis obviously does it a ton because they have such a big fan following. There were a couple people, I want to say, Roughnecks fans I had seen trying to do that for some of our away games. Uh, and then even to give the Pred couple a shout-out again, I know they did a full-blown like Roughnecks convoy. They left from Katy and drove literally in unison. I don't know how many – uh, vehicles total they had, but they had like a legit convoy going from the That's west awesome. side of Houston all the way to San Antonio for our game against them over there. I didn't so, know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some people who, like I said, you, you got fans that truly love the sport and want to support the team, you know, balls of the walls all the way out. Like they're going to do stuff like that. And it's there. Obviously every team needs more of those people. So Agreed. Let's move on to another question. <clears throat> This is a basic one. I usually ask this to anybody I interview regarding this, regarding different subjects. But what was your best and worst experience as a fan? What's what's the best one you've had, and what's the worst one in terms of XFL? So hard. Um, I'd say best experience for me. Obviously, every one of the games and the, and the actual game experiences is always awesome. I personally love the fact of being able to go to a tailgate. Uh, I enjoyed the community and the communal aspect that I gained from that. Um, I, <clears throat> a lot of the folks in our tailgating group uh, bought, I think, end zone seat tickets. So I'm personally the guy where I'm like picky when it comes to picking the seats I want for the game. I, I'm sure I'm biased because I've never had the experience of sitting in the, in the end zone side on, on either a pro or college level to kind of get that experience of, you know, catching a, a Lambo leap, if you will, or whatever. And I'm sure that, you know, is unmatched in its experience. It's a good time. Value. Yeah. So, but outside of that, I would say for me, like if I had never started going to the tailgates, as much as I still would feel like a part of the team from fan support, I was in a section where there, it wasn't fully bought out. There was, it was sporadic week to week in terms of the amount of fans I saw just in my section. So I did feel partially isolated in that, but having that community of people on the tailgating side, gave me a relational connection with fellow fans where it wasn't just like a friendly face in the crowd or someone, Hey, you look cool. Can I get your picture kind of thing? Like, you know, these other people I knew by name 
relationally they're willing to help each other out. I mean, we had folks bringing in food of their own accord to, con you know, to contribute to a, a full tailgating operation. So, I mean, it's, it was a good time. A lot of people just, you know, want to have a great time and, and share the love with everybody. So it, it makes it that much more memorable. If I remember correctly, <clears throat> the fan groups, this, this one that you speak of right here, what, what exactly is their group called on Facebook? Do you remember? So they're the Roughneckers tailgate. If you go and look up on Facebook, they have a full fledged Facebook group. Uh, I think it's a private group, but they'll obviously yeah. accept new folks willingly. Uh, but yeah, they're the ones that used to be formerly known as the Katie Roughneckers, I think in 2020 when they first started. Uh, but obviously they've had so many people come from all across the city uh, who've joined in, in in some of the tailgating functions like myself included that they chose to I think, change the name this season. Um, great group of people, like I said, a lot of them too, I think kind of flop between not only the XFL, but also support the Texans and other sports stuff. So you get a lot of people that you can just see have love for sports in general, uh, whether it be football or otherwise going to something like that. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, we had the other photo you shared, I think was a cool opportunity. I didn't, I got to chit chat with the guy a little bit, but he's a sales rep for old Smokey, And it's kind of just the ironicness of me. This one right here. Uh, the, no, the other group one that has like the old Smokey table in it. I think you showed it right mm, before. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that guy lives in Houston. I think he's originally actually from Tennessee for the folks that don't know old Smokey is a, a moonshine company and product that's based out of here out of East Tennessee. And it was just cool because he had come, he works in Houston. They're, I guess, trying to still gain a greater foothold down there further South because it's obviously a well-known product up here. Tons of people drink moonshine in Tennessee and the probably the Southeast. But uh, obviously prior to me moving to Tennessee, I didn't even know of its existence. And so he was using it as kind of a springboard to market their product at our tailgates. So he handed out a, a lot of free drinks there. Uh, really, like I said, awesome dude, cool, sociable down to earth and kind of joined in with us on some of our tailgate festivities. So that was a neat thing too. Um, I would, you know, hope that would be something that could, uh, I think he's, he's reached out to the league before about potentially helping provide sponsorships or whatever. And I think that would be something at least from a, a small, you know, however quantifiable level could possibly just financially help the league to some degree. If you can get folks that'll come in there and help sponsor and put their name on stuff, but you get the incentive as an operation and a business to get, you know, a little, little boost in the, in the pocketbook. So. Yeah, it looks like a good time. I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't there for that. <laughs> <laughs> come on back. I'm sure he'll be back uh, this coming spring. Get you some, some mixers or something. He had plenty of selection the, the week that we took that photo. So I tell you what, man, going to those games, I would go in a couple hours before what would used to be my tailgate time, and it was just pictures, talking to players. It's it's definitely right. changed my view of what's going on on the ground. But I do miss my my, <laughs> my old roots of tailgates and, and good times <laughs> and screaming your, your head off as loud as right. you can. I feel you there. I feel you there. Let's see. You got a couple comments. We're almost done, Kenneth. I appreciate you, man. We've been on for an hour and nine minutes. You good. What's up, Jersey? That's my guy. He'll be on next month. Nice. He's got his own show. Check That's him cool. out, Jersey the King. And we got the Predators. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely come out if I can. I promise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So you didn't tell me your worst experience, though. What, what was the oh. worst? <laughs> Man, I don't have one. I'll I'll be corny and I'll be corny and share my like one pet peeve as a fan, and this is just me personally. 
I get soccer has its own culture, but this whole like beach ball phenomenon thing that they started doing in Houston, if it was the thing in 2020, you must, I must be had my blinders on or something. Cause I didn't see that in one game I attended in 2020 and all these people who came out of the woodworks this year were like trying to swarm our stands with beach balls and just, as the football purist I am, it's like, why do I want some distraction flying through the air when I'm trying to see a pass play take place or whatever on field? Like I, I told people, I was like, if one of those comes to me, I'm going to either be popping it or throwing that sucker at the ground. Cause I'm trying to watch a football game, cheer my team on. I don't need no beach balls in my face, but it is. Everybody's got their own thing. I get it. It's just like, if you need a gimmick to entertain you when you're at a football game, you clearly are not fully engaged in the event that's taking place personally. That's my opinion. So, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're correct on that. But some people don't like football. They just go for the event. They go no, for the, crom- crom- the the gang, the crowds. They do all that just to get the vibes, to the energy. So, I mean, I, just, I understand, it's, though. It's cheaper to pay a $10 cover charge and go to the bar. Like, why do you got to pay $26 plus to go to an XFL game? I don't understand i'll I'll get off my soapbox i could ramble on that forever my opinion is it's just like people that watch it and have no idea what the hell is going on what are you watching for if you don't understand it but yeah i feel you bro oh man all right i got one more question for you kenneth kenneth i'm sorry i almost called you ken people call me matt sometimes and i don't like it too much so i understand i've had i've had uh when it comes to nicknames, I'm pretty fluid and flexible. My biggest thing is I just have to have a heads up to know what you're going to call me because I've been called Ken, Kenneth. All the girls in high school called me Kenny. I guess it's the feminine version of my name. Um, and then when I lived in Kentucky, I had people calling me like text and priest, text and priest. Like, I've had everything under the sun for the most part. Oh, text. That's a good one. Yeah. Because everybody in, in the bluegrass state was making fun of me, obviously. You know, they get the whole stairs and queers comment every time I've was new there but it was it was all good so (laughs) yeah i used to live close to tennessee i'm familiar with with how they roll (laughs) but yeah the last question for you and i asked anthony miller this when i had him on sunday as a fan i'm sorry tuesday as a fan how do you see the xfl evolving in two years 2025 in in terms of you as a fan what you think we're looking at expansion? Do you think we're looking at, at more teams? Do you think we're looking at, at less teams, relocations? What what's your opinion? I've I've heard rumblings intermingly about possibly Vegas changing locations. I think they had shared somewhere online about uh, XFL Upperheads already filing for the patent on the uh, Wildcats name in, in LA or whatever to get that back. Um, so, I mean, I could definitely see, I mean, that was, I know a slap in the face to a lot of people, in my opinion, obviously you didn't have a huge following in New York, but we had a team there. We had a team in California, both those teams got nixed completely in this reiteration. And I mean, those are not anywhere near their closest teams, you know, maybe you could argue DC, but I still, that's a a hike for anybody in the general sense. And that just kind of just cut the cut the feet out from a lot of fans following those respective teams. Um, I personally would love to interview and pick the brain of whatever marketing genius thought, let's steal the logo configuration of the New York guardians, change the colors and then recycle it for the Orlando team. That to me is mind boggling. And I don't know how that person still has a job personally, but that's my problem. My biggest nitpick for the league. If you got to get specific. 
I don't know. No that's saying, an off-air conversation. For yeah, me. <laughs> so I could see, I could see, um, I could definitely see Vegas possibly moving if if they do have some intent there to change the venue and you know improve that. I don't know if, as much as I would want it, and every every optimistic fan would, you want to see your league grow and, and the whole system grow. I don't even know if two years is is long enough for them to build what they need financially to start a whole new squad. I mean, you kind of touch on it generally, none of, neither of us could probably even begin to correctly get in the exact ballpark of how much each of these organizations, and I say organizations, independent teams are are costing to run holistically if you just were to you know, isolate one squad individually and, and run the numbers on it. So, I mean, at, at a minimum, you know, they do that. They have to keep it. We're in. We're in football. We're not in any other type of sport. You got to keep it even. So you got to have two teams being added at a minimum each season. You choose to expand, and so whatever cost you're looking at for one squad, you've got to at a minimum double it. I don't know what that is. To your point, and you know, I'm. I would. I would assume what all of us general public folks are not privy to with whatever conditions Redbird Capital has in their three to five year plan for investment. That might be worked in there at a certain milestone point. But I would I would not be surprised if we don't expand within the next two years just because they want to get to a greater level of surplus and actual you know sustainable revenue as an organization and, and a business. So um, obviously you want to see every one of the teams do well, uh, and in that same token, obviously you know I would hope for the league's sake maybe you see an improvement in like the win loss ratio that Orlando experienced or even Vegas experienced for that standpoint because then those fans have a reason to come back, you know, obviously I'm always going to root for my team, but at the same token, you don't want a, a Browns or a Lions in a league this small because a team that doesn't have any success, it's very, very hard to maintain fan support. And that, you know, it's just like having two, three teams that are profitable and the rest of the league is losing money. It just doesn't, it doesn't work long-term when you run the numbers. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't see personally, in my opinion, I don't think I don't see expansion occurring in the next two years, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'd be more hard pressed to see a successful product being maintained. I'd be happier to know, you know, them post an article about, hey, we hit we hit profit margins this season instead of two new teams coming out because every fan would then know, hey, we got a reason to have another another season next year. We're not finishing come April May going. Well, I don't know for another season, but this one was fun. Like you know, like that gives you reason to come back. So in my and you know gives you long term hope for the league. So and I, <clears throat> there's a lot of pessimistic people out there who will say you know every one of these spring leagues are a dime a dozen, never gonna be successful. It's like, you know how many people probably said that about Joe Schmo's ice cream parlor? You know they got started up 32 different times in 30 different towns. Like everything, yeah, has an uphill battle when you come to start a business. But I mean, I don't think it matters how small or big it is. Everything can, anything can be the, the, the pioneering source, if you will. And, you know, if we can make it past three years, I think that's what it is. We could arguably say we're doing at least better than the USFL of old, because that's the, probably the biggest sports business that's football related that's had any form of sustainability in the past 30 plus years, I guess. So maybe more than that, 40 years, because it was the eighties when that yeah, happened. Yeah. Long time ago now. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I would, there, there could be, I guess, in a sense, possibly at some point in the future, some type of merging between the two. I don't know how feasible or realistic that is, though, because, I mean, you've already seen, uh, I wouldn't say ownership, but some of the lead faces for the USFL badmouth XFL. So, I mean, I personally, I get 
how they're probably saving money. And they even, I think, reported this last season how they made made more than we did. But, I mean, you tell me one professional sports, it doesn't even have to be football, give me one example of a, of a league that has run only virtually and been successful, and I will completely sh- – I mean, outside of your gaming industry, which is a whole different animal, I, I've never heard of it and never seen it. I don't think it exists. So I get that viewership nowadays with, with football especially is like the big thing that brings the money into the league, but that comes from the fact that you have a realistic, real-life product on the field that people can tangibly come to see if they want. If you don't have that, you don't really have – You don't right. have the foundation of a business, so, or football. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Fox has got the blueprint and they're, they're just built off of what they had. Right. It's, it, it's what it is. I try not to talk bad about either one, but you, you see the differences regardless of which fan you are. And yeah. we don't have to argue it either way, but I would love a merger. I would love that the skill yeah. that we would see the games we would see the, the passion, the drama. I mean, I feel like that would be epic, but, well, and you, and you think about it too, beyond the competitive component, you've got that opens you up to a larger array of broadcast partners for the, for both, you know, leagues that they were to merge in that sense. So that's a, that's a pro. Nobody loses out in that regards. And yeah, more players to your point, get that opportunity to springboard back into the NFL theoretically. So, I mean, if that could happen, that'd be amazing. I, I just personally, yeah, I, I hope that they improve over time if they do truly want to be successful to, get their teams in the respective cities that their names say they're for they're representing because my opinion you don't you don't do that after so many years you're pretty much doomed to fail but that's just yep. that's- yeah i've said it many times if the new orleans breakers were in new orleans i would be seeing them and and wearing gear being a fan right. but because of that i'm kind of turned off by it yeah i was i was not up for supporting the gamblers partially because kevin someone was the coach and he's been <laughs> Every coach we've had at UH who's left seems to get the UH coaching curse, which I love to see. Um, but uh, th- th- their uniforms were also just very ugly. So I just <laughs> no that. comment. I'm not going to get on that. I'm not going to get on that. Uh, we got some comments. I'm going to pop in. What's up, JC? Horns Forward Podcast just did a fundraiser for school supplies last weekend. Yeah. And it was awesome. There's there's a bunch of there's some pictures and videos they have on their Facebook page. Check it out. They did a really good job organizing that. Made a huge difference within the community. But that's what she was saying here. The XFL should still be promoting an off season in their prospective is, cities. Yeah, that would be cool. I, it's with in terms of including players. I don't know how realistic that is because we've got so much undetermined right now. I think with the rosters. But yep. I, yep. you bringing that up definitely makes a good point like I, it would be cool to see um additional folks on um you know i don't know visiting elementary schools firehouses whatever you want to call it they get you kind of at the community level for sure that would be really cool yeah yeah and just even if they put their name on it and and yeah. provide transportation or or a website anything it would definitely just make a food big bank difference. like yeah i mean you could go you can go like countless different ways with that for outreach standpoint there's plenty of things to do in Houston. I know I'm not from there, but I know there's plenty to do if you want to do some philanthropy. Oh, but man, you've been a great guest, Kenneth. I didn't expect the conversation to run on this long, man. We've been talking it up. We got comments rolling. Let's see. Uh, Mike said the XFL is in its last year of its lease at Cashman. Unconfirmed a possible delay in Vegas is that field at Cashman is being reconfigured as are the seats. If they do that, I think that would be a good thing because I personally 
could never get behind any venue that only has two-sided sectional seats with the, I, I think a lot of people expected them to put up some type of stands around the other two ends of the field and it never seemed to come to realization this last season but we'll see yeah just make the camera angles better right? the announcers don't put them up in a 30-foot windblown uh, <laughs> announcing <Right>. booth <laughs> that was that was something that was pretty bad yeah. on tv you could hear it and at least make that where it's nice but yeah i mean personally i think vegas they have fans there they do what they need to with that field it'll be okay i don't i don't doubt it most of the time they were selling all the tickets possible in that venue or close to it so and yeah. i think there was like nine thousand seats or something available i can't remember exactly i uh, got a couple more comments Let's see predators see more teams going to their respective cities rather than the hub in arlington yeah, I would like that too. More practices there in their cities, more events, send out for camps, stuff like that would be awesome. Just even getting it like we did the YouTube stream with the combine or the showcase, either either one. Those those were great events. And if you can get those streamed, even if an hour long, I guarantee you you're gonna rile some people up and make them excited. Yeah. There could be, I mean, opportunities for partnerships. I'd even say like you don't I know that venue cost for a place like tdcu is not cheap you know you could go somewhere as simple as if you're just doing practices i mean texas is big when it comes to football you know that as best as anybody and i mean you pick a leaf what is it hightower i mean so many different suburb towns that have big football programs and say hey let us use your field for football practices it'll you know will give us an advertisement for your folks and they add thereby add to the attendance potentially and then also you know give a shout out to the local high school, you know, whatever city that's allowing them to use their venue. Yeah. I mean, or, or hold camps, hold vents, hold, hold, hold O-line camp, hold receiver camp. I mean, have a couple of your athletes from that city come out and work with the kids that day. Things like that are huge. Don't charge money for it. Let the kids come for free You know, give right. them a water bottle, a shirt or something. That's stuff that really makes a difference that, here in our corporate world, we forget about that sometimes. For sure, for sure. I think that's all I got, Kenneth. That's all the comments. Any other comments before I roll? <laughs> he says it was awesome. Great interview. It really was a good interview, man. You're welcome to come back anytime. During the it. season, things are going to kick up and be pretty busy around here. So, I mean, I welcome I, you back. I throw out that idea since uh, Odin mentioned it, uh, Mr. Predator, with uh, regards to you coming to a tailgate. If you've got the equipment for her, I'm sure, heck, between all the folks that attend, we could probably make it work. we got to set you up with, like, a live podcast broadcast from the Roughneckers tailgate. That would be pretty badass, in my opinion. Yeah, I could definitely see myself doing that. And that's it. Come <laughs> next your, year. It would be a little, like, little mini college game day going on. It would be awesome. So. That would be epic. Epic. <laughs> next year, I'm going to try to set up a tour, and I'm going to try to visit as many stadiums as possible. If not, then I'll be at Houston as I was last year, every game. But I mean, I'll be at Houston at least half the time, if not close, I'd say throughout the season. So yeah, dude, I'm down for that. And I want to meet the fans. I want to meet more people. That's what I'm about. Collaboration, conversation. We don't have to do anything special. Just just having a good time and, and sure, really, sure. you know, being fans is, is really valuable. I feel like sometimes being an NFL fan is a little difficult because sometimes you can't really talk about the things because you just walk into a room and it's an argument. <laughs> so, you know, I, I value the the 
all the great personalities, the people that put their time in, the people that put their money in. I value it greatly amongst the community here with the XFL. It's it's okay. nothing like I've ever seen in my life. And so that's that's why I do what I do. So I'd love to do that, man. We'll get it planned out. But that's what I need to get you back on the show for sure. I'm going to start referring to you as our fan analysis expert for Houston. And that we'll way we'll get you on. Or thorough research so i'm not just speaking out of my own point of view but i'll do some secondary fan surveys and get the full feel of our, our conglomerate group for at least a <laughs> hey you'll be in places i can't go is the way i feel about it so you you'll go. definitely have some information and insights into topics and events and such and that's what even if you come in for like a 10 minute spot during the week you know that's that's cool with me bro i'd love to have you anytime you're always welcome back great interview i, I appreciate it yep good times good man uh before we hop off do you have i didn't include your socials because i didn't know if you wanted people to look at your facebook and stuff no it's all good yeah my i think it's just uh facebook.com slash kenneth.priestmeyer it's uh p-r-i-e-s-m-e-y-e-r i know he's got it on the on the feed so anybody looking can probably see it but that's my personal facebook like i said i haven't gotten as a eclectic and fancy as some of these other folks getting full-fledged alter egos going but maybe that'll just be me i might I might throw in my, my gaming tagline and go KJWP, but I don't need to probably go with an alter ego, I don't feel like. so. <laughs> hey, I mean, it, that's what I said. I didn't include it because I didn't know. Some people don't. Yeah. don't. Some people don't want that and some people do, but I'll make sure to include it in the notes. Like I said, it's an audio podcast also. So, I mean, it'll all be in the notes and easily clickable. We're getting some more comments coming in. Let's see. JC, come down to SA and join the... I'm down for that, guys. We'll set it up for sure. And then we got Jersey. Take advantage. I agree, Jersey. We're going to take advantage. That's what we're doing here, just providing content and trying to keep the XFL trending. But yeah, Kenneth, like I said, man, this has been a great conversation. I greatly appreciate you, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Appreciate it, man. Go Roughnecks. Drill, baby, drill. Let's go. Drill, baby, drill. See you later, <laughs> Kenneth. Appreciate you, brother. Have a good one. You too, man. Awesome guest. Appreciate him coming on today. That was a good conversation. You really get the feedback of someone who's an actual fan, super fan. It's a little different than an analyst or a media reporter or someone sitting in, in a position of, of authority or, or anything. So it's good to hear his take on everything. Appreciate you, Kenneth, greatly. Oh, before I hop off, I want to thank the XFL for letting me cover, of course, and uh, XFL board. Um, I've started putting some publications out with them now. Check for that. There may be some more opportunities coming up with networks. I'm not sure if we will see. Uh, but either way, it's been a great ride. I appreciate all the people that have helped so far. It's been awesome. Uh, August 20th. We got Aiden Burt coming on. That's XFL Center from Twitter. Uh, really, really excited to talk to him. He, he's He's got a little different background than what the guys we normally talk to, and I'm going to wait till he gets here to tell about himself more and, and get for y'all to meet him, but that should be a good one. He also writes for XFL Board. I really didn't know that until I started researching him. So, yeah, check him out. <clears throat> anyway, guys, let me see. I got some more comments. Thanks. Thanks, Predator Couple. Appreciate that. JC, take it easy, man. We'll see you soon. Y'all let me know when we're ready to meet up and collaborate a little bit.
fans, podcasters, anybody. Appreciate you guys. This has been a great ride. And no matter what happens, just have fun, enjoy yourself, be positive, and, and keep on doing what you're doing. But anyway, oh, oh, I got one more thing. So last time, uh, I was talking about Mike. Mike's the editor-in-chief now for the podcast in terms of contributors and content that they gather. I said his last name wrong. Mike Guardiola. That's there, there you go, Mike. It's just, just for you, baby. <laughs> but yeah, uh, appreciate him and all the contributors that have come on. We'll be doing some intro stuff for them as soon as we can. But man, it's been crazy busy my way. Uh, it, it's been a good time, but like tomorrow I'll be heading to the Saints game and covering that. And that's going to be a whole nother world of, of stuff I've never experienced. So super excited. But then again, it leaves me pretty booked. Mike says, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, guys, it's been good. Appreciate you greatly. Like I said, until next time, peace out and go roughnecks. <laughs>